we're back on front page and we still have um, Yaswari Palansami, senior correspondent of the Malay Mail, and KK Tan, corporate and political analyst, newspaper columnist on local and global issues. We spoke about um, political speech to primary students. Right now, let's move on to a specific shirt blunder and uh, the EC is mulling action against Manu Garan. Let's start with Yaswari on this. What are your thoughts? To be very honest, I would like to be very blunt on this, but I will just be very civil. <laughs> right. That is a mistake that should not have been committed by someone like Manogaran, who is a lawyer. He should know better. You know, and it, you know, at some point, it seems that some in Fakatan Harapan just forget how they all started, what they fought against, and right now we see them committing some of the same mistakes they alleged the previous regime of doing. And it's quite sad because... People voted for a change. They voted for hope. And then when they see these things, they start questioning their choice. So Pakistan's got to, got to be really careful now that they are the federal government. They have power and power sometimes can be very detrimental if abused. So that what EC is doing is fair. They should be fair. They should penalize anyone when they commit such mistakes. It's a clear offense. KK, you agree? Yeah, but I want to emphasize more on the impartiality of EC. I don't want to go to specific incidents. I mean, I think there may be other instances as well where I think both sides may have committed some kind of offenses. It's really been left to EC and the police to investigate. What is more important for us to recognize, and I think is EC since the formation, the new EC group, since the last GE, has done a, a very good, admirable job. I think this thing about Justice must be seen to be done. And I'm very, very impressed with especially the chairman of EC. I think yeah. Art Harun. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's really, really... It's also a credit to Pakatan Harapan government for having appointed such a person. One... I was having a conversation with someone and they were saying, what's the big deal? It was just a wrong shirt. He went there and he said that he, he made a mistake. He didn't realize it. It's actually a pretty big deal, isn't it? Well, it depends how you look at it. Like, to some people, maybe big deal. Some people could be just... We really yeah. don't know whether it's an honest mistake. Like uh, spoken by the other panelists, yeah. he, he's... As a lawyer, he should know. So I think we just let Easy, you know, do his investigation. You know, I yeah. don't think we should jump to too many conclusions now because there could be other factors involved. True. And there are also many other cases of reports, instances where election rules may have been broken. So I think this case just highlights, to me, it highlights the impartiality and the fairness of Easy. To me, that's the most important point. Perfect. I love that. Moving on, we'll talk about schooling till Form 5. Is it going to be mandatory? Should it be mandatory? We're going to uh, continue with Yaswari and KK in the studio with us on Front Page, right here on Light. On Front Page today, we have Yaswari Palansami, Senior Correspondent of the Malay Mail, and KK Tan, Corporate and Political Analyst, Newspaper Columnist on Local and Global Issues. We've been talking about pol- uh, politics in schools. We've been talking about action against Manu Garan because of the shirt blunder. Let's move away from that and let's talk a little bit about schools right now because it's um, currently being mulled that schooling till Form 5 to be made mandatory. Yeswari, let's get your thoughts on this first. Um, if we are going to talk about the law that makes it mandatory for parents to send their children until Form 5, um, in essence, the spirit of the whole thing is good. But if you look at the penalty, you see, the problem with, with uh, what the problem that I have with this is parents, um, it's not that they do not want to send their children to school, they just can't afford to. We we do have a lot of, basically we do have a lot of people who are living below, you know, average living standards. Right, the B40s, so we right. Look, we we okay. got to look at that and, uh, you know, we got to be careful when we 
when we enforce certain types of laws. To me, the penalty imposed is quite harsh. If the if parents are not able to send their children to school because of financial issues, how are they going to be able to afford the fines? It's five thousand ringgit, if I'm not mistaken. So also, potentially, there's that. prison we, time as well, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. KK, what Sorry? do you think? I think when dealing with social issues such as possible poverty or even kids dropping out because of us. Uh, special education needs which our education system does not cater for us. Uh, there are many children uh, who drop out of the system because they cannot follow. You know, we call them dyslexic children. Right. And I used to do a course, I used to do a project on this many years ago. There are lots of injustices in the system already and I think further punishment won't be fair. When you want to punish, you normally want to punish an offending party right. that's deliberately done something wrong to the other person. You normally do not punish the victims again. Right. Okay. I, I wrote a, a very big piece yesterday in the New Straits Times, full-page piece called The Need to Overhaul Our Education System. Right. And my focus was that uh, we have to look again in the big picture and, uh, and not just this. Uh, in many ways, our education system has failed us. It's not created national unity due to various reasons I'm not going to put the blame on any okay that's not one because one thing, of right? yeah. and also because of the changes made much earlier I went through the English medium school so right. I can you know in a way compare and you can see that those that came from the old English medium schools were a lot more harmonious right. amongst the races okay let's move on to the next one uh, we're still with a senior correspondent for the Malay Mail Yeswari um, Palansami and also KK Tan corporate and political analyst newspaper columnist on local and global issues next up let's talk about a certain sexual harassment case that could or could not have happened we'll talk about that next on light and we're back on front page we've got Yuswari Palansami senior correspondent for the Malay Mail and KK Tan corporate and political analyst newspaper columnist on local and global issues we've talked politics we've talked about a school system now let's talk a little bit about an alleged sexual harassment uh, case. Uh, MCA Youth Leader lodges report over uh, this. And uh, what's going on, KK? Uh, bring us into this. Again, I always don't look at this thing in isolated way. I think this is a much uh, bigger issue. It's linked to also the recent case about, about many women being stalked as well. This is basically what we call harassment of women as a weaker sex in society. And I believe that uh, the only way sometimes you deal with aggressors and bullies is a bit of show of force. Uh, I have a number of suggestions to make. I think uh, the woman ministry or the ministry in charge of women should start organizing free classes of self-defense for women who want to learn it. Right. Because as a martial artist, I can tell you that when you train women on self-defense, you also teach them about bravery. It's not just the actual art of defending yourself. It's also psychological. And that can be used when they deal with people in Facebook and other places. So they are not pushovers, okay? Okay. Because martial arts, if it's done well, trains a person to deal with aggressors, not just on the streets, but also on the internet. So I think the government, number one, should set up free self-defense classes for uh, women that want you know, to learn. And secondly, I think the police should set up a special SWAT team uh, to deal with uh, male aggression. So right. Sometimes like, I feel that the only way to deal with uh, male aggression is brute force and you show that you mean business fire, not necessarily fire, firearms fire. I'm talking about a, no, SWAT, I mean fire, fire. a SWAT team of women to deal with women who are been harassed right. who have been stalked but under the police unit that means it's under properly done according to law enforcement 
Yeswari, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I'm sure you you read about this. And um, as a woman, you, you're on social media all the time. What are your thoughts on this? I think this is this is an epidemic that we are having here right now in, in, in Malaysia, you know, because, um, well, here we have the prevalent bawang culture, you know. <laughs> I think you know what it means. You know, you just, you just go on a group and, you know, you troll people and, and whatnot. Sometimes it's good because, you know, it's it's standing up against some sort of um, injustice and, and whatnot. But other times I have, I've noted many of these comments make um, derogatory uh, references towards women, especially some of our female political leaders. So it is quite sad because here we are in 2019 trying to change the political landscape, encouraging more women to come to the fore and participate in nation building. And then we have these people trying to break their spirit by making remarks about their appearance because of something that they said, uh, which may be, uh, you know, hard for them to, uh, hard for them to digest. So it's, it's not right, really. We need, we, need, we need very stringent laws to contain this culture, this online sexual harassment culture. We have noted in many instances it has even led to suicide. We don't want to see this, uh, you know, happening here. And uh, if I'm uh, actually two weeks ago, when I was interviewing uh, the Deputy uh, Women, Family and Community Development Minister, uh, YB Hatnayo, she said that the bill, the ministry would start drafting the bill uh, sometime next month after they have finished an impact uh, study right. on sexual harassment. So it's, it's called a sexual impact study. So we need to wait for that and uh, we need to see what comes out of it because it's going to be a new set of laws. We're speaking to Yuswari Palansami, Senior Correspondent, Malay Mail and KK Tan, corporate and political analyst, newspaper columnist on local and global issues. Moving on, we're going to talk about a certain airline. Well, the airlines have been in the news a lot recently, but a certain airline who refuses to let a disabled person on the flight. We talk more about that next on Light. And it's front page on the Light Breakfast. We're with Yeswari Palansami, senior correspondent of the Malay Mail, and KK Tan, corporate and political analyst, newspaper columnist on local and global issues. And this has been uh, in the news recently. Actually, airlines has been in the news a lot as well. But this particular one, Hong Kong airline staff refused to allow a wheelchair user on flight because she was alone and couldn't walk. KK, let's get your thoughts on this. And I know how you feel, but let's let's just hear you out. I think we need to draw a line here between being disabled friendly and where the area of responsibility falls if something happens. I'm all for being disabled friendly. Right in all activities. Disable-friendly means that the airlines must provide facilities to enable someone who is disabled to board and take off. Correct. It doesn't mean that the disabled person has to be 100% independent. Right. You have to qualify that because that depends on, you know, it's a service, yeah? I'm against disabled person traveling on their own because right. I think it can be, I call it a case of responsibility. Something were to happen, who is going to be responsible? Correct. Is this emergency? Uh, the disabled person needs to go to the toilet or do something like that. Yeah. Unless you pay the airline a fee, I don't think it's fair to impose that on the airline. Yeah. It's just like going to a shopping mall, okay? You want to make sure the toilets are disabled right. friendly. Yeah. But you cannot ask the more people to provide the service to a disabled person to take the disabled person into their toilet. Right. It's the same kind of analogy. Yeah? Correct. So I think you have to be fair here to the airlines. But Yuswari, what do you think? Well, um, I feel the issue is a little complicated and there's a bit of, um, you know, it's, it's in, in, some, in some parts, it's maybe a little bit of a gray area. Right. And it also boils down to customer service. It's like, you know, in customer service, it's always, you know, how much are you willing to go for your, for your customers? But then we, what the brand 
would offer and what its employees are able to cater and whether they agree or not to the type of offer the, the, the company gives, that's a different thing altogether. While I agree that we need to make our, you know, facilities more disabled friendly, you know, hey, even disabled people pay taxes, you know, so we've got to be fair to them. Correct. So, but I feel when it comes to um, certain types of services like airline and all, it's, it's private service. And I think the case that we're talking about in question is about the EVA airline, where the uh, airline stewardess was forced to clean the, 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 the passenger. passenger. Yeah, yes. that was very gross. I'm sorry, but that borderline harassment already. Yeah. So we to make sure the interests and the welfare of the staff who are tasked with helping disabled customers or passengers, it must be protected. Yeah. As you know, we, we cannot discount the fact that just because, you know, they're disabled, they may not do certain things, you know. You you just cannot discount that fact. So you just have to be careful when you enforce certain types of customer service policies and whatnot. Yeah. At the end of the day, while you want to be seen, you know, hey, you know, we do offer all this kind of folk-like services, but you must also see whether your staff are comfortable doing it. We're with you, Zawari Palin. Sami, senior correspondent of the Malay Mail and KK Tan, corporate and political analyst, newspaper columnist on local and global issues. Coming up, we talk about a certain um, MP giving political speeches to primary students. Is that appropriate? We'll talk about that next on Light. And on another edition of Front Page today, we have Yuswari Palanansami, senior correspondent, Malay Mail, and also Mr. KK Tan, a corporate and political analyst, newspaper columnist on local and global issues. All right, I think everyone was talking about this piece. Uh, Omno Man claims MP gave political speech to primary students. Yeah. What's what was this about? How did this start? Let's let's talk about this. It depends on. I think what ages the students should be exposed to this. I think we've got to teach them things one step at a time. It's nothing wrong to teach them moral values against corruption right. from a very young age. Uh, and I think we have to do it one step at a time. You don't just jump. And if you want to bring up specific issues, it's not just one MDB. It has to be something <laughs> more in general. Right. We have to be seen to be very objective. I think school is very important that they shouldn't be seen to be partisan. Right. It's a place to gain knowledge. Right. And also to en- enhance their moral values. So yes. that part is important. And I think it depends on the age- ages of the students. Of course, by the time they reach universities, it can be a discussion at a very advanced level. But I think at a very young age, it just teach them some very basic mor- moral values about honesty and integrity, you know? Yeah. Uh, don't have to go to such high, big issues, you know, to scare them off. Yuswari, what are your thoughts on this? I think it depends, um, like Mr. KK said, I think it depends on the context of things. Like, when you talk about um, uh, issues of corruption, well, we have known some from the other side as well to, you know, allegedly engage in, in, some, uh, in, in things like that. So, when you give them knowledge on anti-corruption or you teach them about it, you have to put it in proper context that is suitable for them. You know, you shouldn't bring about politics of adulation. Like, you know, uh, you shouldn't adulate one leader and then demonize the other. And uh, that sort of thing is not necessary in school. And as it is, we have always been lamenting about how our education system is already dividing students. So we got to work on that. So I think politics, we can tone down on that a little because that is not the priority at the primary school level or the secondary. You know, we just got to expose them in stages. And right now, we need to know what is our priority first. Yeah, but I guess the idea is that, yes, we want to encourage political awareness, but there is a specific time, a specific age for them to be exposed to it, right? Even at a higher level, I think we have to be 
very no- schools had to be or even colleges or universities had to be very non-partisan. Right. I'm yeah. very against even students at university getting too involved in political activities of one party over another party. I think they should be political. I mean, it depends what you, how you define politics. Everything in life is linked to politics. True. Yeah, but I think they shouldn't be partisan. Right. Because universities or schools are basically uh, places for knowledge, for yeah. gaining knowledge. Yeah, I think it's not a place for creating divisions, creating discontent. Yeah. Of course, they can be discontented against oppression, you know, in right. any way. Yeah. Or, or students tend to be very idealistic. When I was a student at university, I used to go to the streets and protest. Really? Against oppression, against right. discrimination, you know. Right. Uh, on the Palestinians issue because I felt very strongly about it 30 right. or yeah. years ago in UK but I think we had to draw the line uh, here uh, very carefully especially our education system uh, is really quite divisive and we had to be extra careful here Alright Once again Yuzwari Palansami Senior Correspondent Malimil and KK Tan Corporate and Political Analyst Newspaper Columnist and Local and Global Issues Thank you so much for being here